Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord God, we thank you so much for this time that we're about to have with you, Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O oh Lord God. Fill them, O oh Lord God. Refresh them, O oh Lord God. Let them know that you are Lord God, Jehovah, and that nothing is too hard for you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I give this time and this space entirely over to you. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise God. Pastor Mike here again. Let me say right at the outset here, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you hit pause and go and get your Bible and come on back and join us. It's uh, important that you're able to write down and to underline and highlight things that you see in the Bible for yourself so that later on in life, as things come your way, these uh, scriptures will uh, come back to to, uh, memory and you'll be able to see where you highlighted them before. Okay. Praise God. Praise God. You know, many times it's hard for us as Christians to... um, to be obedient to God. Uh, we try our best, of course. You know, we all want to make sure we're doing the right thing and whatnot. But being that we are indeed in these human bodies and we're here on the earth with so many other things going on around us, sometimes it's hard for us to really be obedient. Uh, sometimes we make excuses for not being obedient. You know, we, we, are, we human beings are very, very good at rationalizing the things that we do. And if we slip and stumble, or if we know that God is wanting us to do something and we don't do it, uh, then we, we're being obedient. And sometimes we realize it, but we make excuses and we need to make sure we're not doing that or try to minimize at least doing anything like that because that's not helping us uh, in the long runs. But um, do we realize that there could be a cost for disobedience? Do you realize that? You know, many times uh, it may seem like a small thing for us. You know, we didn't do this or we did do this when we shouldn't have done it. And say, oh, well, well, that's that, that's just a trivial, a trivial thing, you know. But you got to be surprised, you know, because when God wants us to do something, he has his reasons. And uh, he, one thing he wants us to be is obedient to him. So today we're going to look at two individuals uh, who are both anointed, two individuals who are both anointed, two anointings, but which one actually followed God? Okay, which one actually followed God? Which one was actually obedient to God? We're going to read about King Saul and how his de- deeds led to King David, lead to King David becoming anointed, and which of course led David on to become one of the best-known figures in biblical biblical history. So we're going to look at those two today, and we're also going to see how those events link to us here in modern day time. You know, I so often always have to remind people that God had these wonderful words penned uh, uh, through Holy Spirit to men or by men so that we could have these wonderful pages of the Bible to read here some 2,000, in some cases 4,000 years and and better um, after the time that they were actually written and documented, you know. So it's for a reason for us to be able to read these events so that we can see how they incorporate into our lives today, all right? So with that, why don't we start by going to 1 Samuel 15, Verse number one, one Samuel 15, verse number one. Okay. Starts out here by saying in verse number one, Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Okay. So underline that right away. The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, Hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way 
when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. All right. So here we see that Samuel was, it was indeed responsible for anointing Saul. All right. And he also said he gave that God gave Saul some very, very specific instructions, very specific instructions. He wanted uh, Saul to do certain things. Okay. He didn't say maybe plus or minus. He gave him very specific instructions. We go into verse number four and we see, and Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. Saul said unto the Kenites, go, depart, get you down from among the Amalites, Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul well, let me just pause for a minute. Now, the, 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 the Kenites, you know, they, they were kind. They showed kindness towards the Israelites. So Saul was saying, I'm going to give you safe passage. Since you were nice to us, we're going to let you go. We don't, I don't want you to be destroyed in this battle that's upcoming. Verse number seven says, And, and Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But, highlight verse number nine. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the uh, fatlings and the lambs and all that was good. And would not, I emphasize, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuge, refuse, that they did destroy utterly. Okay. And remember what God had said. God had told him to destroy everything, okay? But Saul didn't. But Saul didn't. So you see right there now, and also he spared Agag, okay? God told him to destroy everyone and everything, including the animals. So right away we see here now that, that Saul went against God's orders. You go to verse number 10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me and have not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. All right? Now, in verse number 10, there where it says that he repenteth, it repents me that I have set up Saul to be king. This is what God is saying. Now, underline one thing, because this, um, the word that where it says, says repents, where God is saying, you know, that, that you know, he repents from doing what he did. Underline that, like, in the scripture here, the word, the word repent there means change. You know, change, change of mind, if you will. When we repent, we change our mind, we change our way, we change the things that we're doing, and we turn around 180 degrees, we no longer sin. We repent of that sin, we change our mind, and we go away from that sin, okay? And Scripture here, when it's referring to God, realize that God does not repent as we do because of sin. So God does not sin. So he's, God is not repenting of any sin, okay? God cannot sin. When Scripture says that God repented, it means that he changed his mind, based on the current circumstances, all right? Because of Samuel's sin, God had to act in accordance with Samuel's actions now and not how God would have acted if Samuel had followed God completely, 
All right. So in other words, if, if Samuel had, uh, if Saul had gone and done what he was supposed to, to do and whatnot, then God would have, would, would have carried out actions in a certain way. He would have blessed him and so on and so on. But because of the fact that Saul did not carry out his, uh, God's, uh, will, God's actions, God's commandment, God's directions. Okay. He, God is now changing how he is going to react to what Saul did or react to what Saul did not do. So repenting is not God repenting because he sinned. He's saying that, well, now I'm going to have to act a different way from how I was going to act with Saul had he been obedient to me, all right? And the same thing happens to us too. You know, God knows all that's going on. God is omniscient, so he knows everything. He knows exactly what you're going to do, whether it's good or whether it's bad. He, God knows the outcome. If you, you perform the way God wants you to perform in life, and then God goes on and blesses you and blesses you because God's plan was if you do this, then he's going to bless you. But if you don't do that, you don't do that, you go against God, then God has to change what his direction would have been, been for you based on what you are currently doing in your life right now. All right. So here we see right at the bat that we've only been about, about nine, 10 minutes into this message already. We see that that, that being disobedient to God can indeed impact how he acts, how God acts, or how God reacts, or how God does things in your life, how God blesses you or does not bless you based on your current actions, okay? All right? So just understand what that means. God is not repenting here where it says, it repenteth me that I have set Saul to be king. God is not saying, oh, gee whiz, oh, gee, I'm so sorry I made him king. I made a mistake here, you know, oh, boy, oh, boy. God is not saying that at all. At all. He's saying, because Saul did this, that it means I have a change of mind now on how I'm going to deal with him, okay? So just so that you clearly under, understand that, all right, you know, and so then we go on with verse number 12 here, and when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place. Now, what that is meaning is that Saul came to Carmel, according to the Amplified Version of the Bible, Saul came to Samuel, Samuel, I'm sorry, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up for himself a monument or trophy of his victory. All right. So so Saul did not do what God wanted to do. All right. But he went on to Carmel and right away now he's bragging about and he set up this this uh, sort of a, a monument or something to what he had done. When it says he set him up a place. So he's really bragging about his feeling so good about himself. Yay, this is what I did with the Amalekites and I did this and you know, I, I, I but he, he, he didn't do what God told him to do. But he's bragging about this so-called what seemed to be a victory. Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel, uh, Samuel uh, came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now, you see what Saul is saying there? He's really thumping his chest. He's sticking his chest out there. Samuel came to Saul. Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Right? Now, he knows who Samuel is. Samuel is obviously a very powerful prophet and everything, and, and he anointed him. And so now Saul is feeling so good about himself because he did what he did. And he's saying, See what I did? I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But then verse 14 uh, uh, verse 14, so actually he lied about, about his obedient, being obedient to God. He lied about it. But, uh, you know, when God chooses us to do something, we must be obedient, do exactly what he tells us to do. But he's bragging, saying that he did something that he did not do. And so we see here in verse number 14, and Samuel said, what meaning then this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear. Okay. Now remember, God had told him to destroy, to destroy the animals. 
So Samuel is saying, well, if you did that, if you did what God told you to do, why am I hearing the bleeding of sheep? Why am I hearing the sheep, you know, bah, whatever the sound sheep make? Why am I hearing the bleeding uh, of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear? So he hears the animals. Yes, though Saul is telling him, I did what God told me to do. And he's thumping his chest and he's being so, so, uh, um, you know, proud and victorious in, in his mind about what he did. But he's lying. But he's lying. And Saul said, and Saul said, um, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people, underline the word people, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, say on. And Samuel said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? So in other words, at one time Saul was a nothing. Okay, And in his own mind, he, he, he was nothing. Yes, though, God raised him up, and Samuel anointed him. God had Samuel anointed, you see. And we have to stop and realize, too, in our lives, you know, that many times we may feel like we're not doing what we could or should be doing and that we're not successful and that we are this and we're that and we're not achieving what we feel that we should be achieving, you see. But God will come along God will come because God has a plan for your life and, and he will lift you up and he will, quote, unquote, anoint you. He will anoint you, you know, to go about and to do what it is that he has planned for you to do. Okay. So Saul here started out as, you know, in his, in his own, in, uh, in his, in his words here, uh, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel and the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then, or why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord. In other words, he jumped upon the spoil there and just grabbed it on up and did what he wanted to do with it and did evil in the sight of the Lord. Why did you do this? And Saul answered Samuel and said, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now, he's insisting that he did what God told him to do. Now, we just read what God told him to do. And Samuel just reminded him about what God told him to do. All right. But Saul is saying, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Here he is lying again and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. And I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. 21. Now, listen to this. But the people took the spoil. The people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, uh, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Okay. So here he's saying now the people made me do it. The people made me do it. All right. And so many times, you know, and I say to you pastors and you ministers that are out there listening, if God has appointed you the head of a flock, the head of a ministry, you are the one under God that's responsible. Don't go blaming things, directions that you wind up taking in the ministry or in the church on the people. Okay, don't go saying, well, the people wanted me to do this. And so I went on and did it. 
If God has lifted you up and you are over a ministry or over a flock of people and over a church or whatever it may be, you know, and even if it isn't a ministerial position, if God has indeed appointed you to, to, to be the head of, to manage, to be in the forefront of some organization or some group of people, then you are the one that God has made responsible. Right? And don't go blaming the people if you decide to be weak, need, or you want to, for whatever reason, you, you get puffed up in self and you decide you want to do your own thing and you wind up doing against, going against what God has told you to do. And you go on and you do what you think that you want to do or you go on and do what you're doing. Don't go turning around when you get caught, when God catches you, so to speak, and start saying, why didn't you do it? Don't, well, the people, the people, the people. You can't blame it on the people. If God has raised you up to be the head, and I say this again, if God has raised you up to be the head, then you are responsible. You are responsible. And that goes for us men in our households. This goes for, for, for your job. If God has, had, has promoted you up where you are the head of a group of people in, uh, at your job there, you've got a staff under you, you've got a department or whatever under you, you are the one that God put in that position. So you are responsible. Don't go blaming bad decisions that you make on the people. All right. He says that 21 again, but the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in, in Gilgal. All right. So if, if the people decided they want to do that, why did not Saul say stop? That is not what God wants us to do. That stop. This is not what God told me to do. So don't go blaming it and passing the responsibility. Verse 22, and it says there, and Samuel said, uh, and, and Samuel said, has the Lord, has the Lord as great delight in birth off in burnt offerings and sacrifices as is in obeying the voice of the Lord. All right. Powerful words. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Underline. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. To be rebased against God is the same sin as if you were committing witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Underline that, please. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. So in other words, God would prefer us to be obedient to him rather than for us to be giving our tithes and offerings. That's what this boils down to. Okay. Has the Lord greater delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. All right. So we can go to church and give out tithes and offerings and everything. But if we are being disobedient to God, then us giving tithes and offerings means nothing to him. He would much prefer for you to be obedient to him. All right. So don't go think that I can kind of, if you will, I don't know, buy off God, that I can pay off God, uh, uh, you, you know, and long as I'm paying off God and I'm sacrificing and everything like that, then I can go on and be disobedient to him. No, it doesn't work that way at all. Not at all. All right. And then it says there that, uh, uh, where is it? The re- rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. If you are rebelling against God, then that's the same as you committing witchcraft. That's how great a sin it is. All right. And then it says there, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Right? So if we're not careful in our disobedience. If we're not careful. The thing that God has called us to, the thing that God has set us up in, 
the leadership role or whatever responsibility that he's given us. Okay. That if you reject him by being disobedient, then it means that he's going to reject you. And that's dangerous. So is it important for us to be obedient to God? Yes, it is. And so many times we say that phrase, are you obedient to the Lord? Are you obedient? Are you obedient? Oh, yes, I'm obedient. I'm obedient. But do we really stop and think about the, the, the weightiness, you know, the heaviness of that statement, obedient to God? Right. If we're being disobedient, it's the same as us committing sin, witchcraft. It's, 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 it's another sin. And if we forsake God in that manner, then God will forsake us. And that's the last thing we want is for God for, to God, uh, uh, for God to, to forsake us. That's the last thing we want to need, especially in these times, in these days. We need God in every single possible way that we can. We need his leadership. We need his insights. We need Holy Spirit to guide us. We need Holy Spirit to comfort us in these times when we have so much chaotic things going on around us and so many lies and deception are being told. We need God. We certainly don't want him forsaking us. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we see here through this process, we see that he or uh, uh, Saul had really, really did, did not do right by God. And then on top of that, he's lying to the prophet. And then we see in verse number uh, 24 here says, and Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Underline that. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So now he's repenting and he's saying, you know, gee, was, yeah, I did it because I was afraid of the people, so therefore I listened to them. Okay, again, I say, you pastors and you ministers out there, you don't be fearing the people that you start disobeying God. Okay. You don't start fearing the threats of your, you know, if you've got a board of something over you or, or some other group in your ministry, in the church, there's some other structure that you have that kind of controls what you say and what you do. You, you know, don't be afraid of what they may say or do. When God has given you a direction for that ministry or for that group, that organization, you do what God is calling you to do. Do not be afraid of the people and start obeying, obeying their voice when it's not what God would have you to do. And I know so many churches, I know so many pastors and whatnot, they will, 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 will sign. This is why we see why the church, the body of Jesus Christ is in the state that is in, because there are many that are giving in, that, that are giving in to, to the popular things, quote unquote, of the day, to the popular lifestyles of today, to the, to, to the, 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 pop, the, the popular things that are being taught in the schools, to, you know, to the popular things that are being considered about marriage to the popular things that are being talked about uh, re regarding regarding the sexes and gender. There are only two. But they want to go along with the popular talk that's going on out there, and that's going against the Word of God. And while in their heart of hearts, in their heart of hearts, they may not believe that stuff, they start talking that way because they fear the people. They don't want to lose members in the congregation. They don't want to lose the big tithers. They don't want to lo lose those that are giving big donations. And so they start bending to their will. They fear the people. If you are a child of God, and be it whether you're, you're in ministry or, or not, if you're in the, in the office place, you're in charge of any organization, in your family for that matter, do not give in because you fear what your relatives are going to say if you speak the truth and believe and say what God is telling you to say and do and live. Right? We cannot fear the people so much that we wind up being disobedient to God. Right? And disobedience can be in your actions and in, 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 in what you are professing as a so-called Christian. 
You got to do what you know the Bible tells you to do and what God is telling you to do. You can't be there fearing the people because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Right? You can obey their voice, but guess what? You're the one that's going to be held responsible, not the people. You disobey a, a, a mandate from God. You disobey a commandment from God. You disobey a di- direction from God. In your heart of hearts, Holy Spirit is telling you, this is what I want you to do. This is what I don't want you to do. But yes, so you go and you do what the people want you to do because you fear them. There's a consequence for you. The people are not the ones that will be held accountable. You will be held accountable. All right. And obeyed because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Verse 25 says, now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin. This is Saul to Samuel. Pardon my sin and turn again again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. All right. There's the consequence. Okay. He rejected the word from the Lord. So now God is snatching that ministry away from him. God is snatching his leadership role away from him, okay, because he disobeyed. And as Samuel turned but uh, turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and it rent it or tore it. And Samuel said unto him, the Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and has given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. See what I'm talking about, the repent thing here. Then he said, I have sinned. This is Saul again. I have sinned. Yet honor me now, and I pray thee before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord thy God. Okay? So again, now he's repenting. In this case, it's for the sake of the people. He's saying, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel. He wants to see that, he wants to make sure that all of the people, his elders and the people of Israel, see that he's been forgiven, you know. So this is not true repentance within himself. He's repenting for the sake of appearances. He wants all those around him to see, look what I've done. I made a mistake, but look how, how, how great I am. I'm repenting, and I'm, Samuel still, still, uh, still is in my corner, God's in my corner, and so on. Again, so he's worried about the people. So how many times do we make excuses and say that, okay, we're not going to do something. We're going to turn away from that because we want others to know what we're doing. And you're not thinking really about God. Is repentance really, really true and deep in your heart or are you doing it for the sake of the people? And many, many times we'll find that when, when people, when someone in the first place has done the will of the people over the will of the God, they're so concerned about the people being mad at them you know, and bowing to their voice in the first place when they went against God. So now again, the people are what's so important. How will the people judge me for what I'm doing? We got to stop worrying about the people and think about God. Don't worry about the people. Think about God. If we're doing what God is wanting us to do. Now, listen to this. If we're doing what God is wanting us to do, guess what? You will find favor in the people. You will find favor with the people. You will find favor with those people that are indeed in line with the word of God. And those are the ones that, that are, I, I'm not trying to say that you, you don't be concerned about those that are not in the will of God. We do. But we certainly don't, don't do, uh, um, you know, perform actions in our lives that are against God simply for the sake of the people. Okay. And wanting them to love us and so on. 
What we want to do is to be obedient to God so that God loves us, so that God loves us, okay? So Samuel, um, uh, so Samuel, verse number 31, so Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me, Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately, and Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. Surely the bitterness of death is past. And what he was doing there was he was thinking because everything was, uh, to him, everything was going smoothly, that everything was good. Agag came to him cheerfully, and Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. So he saw, he thought all was good. Okay. He thought he was still alive and so forth. You know, he thought all was good. And Samuel said, as the sword has made a woman, has made women childless. This is Samuel saying this to Agag. Okay, the one who, who the Lord said to destroy because he was so bad. All right. And, and, and Saul did not do it. All right. So now Samuel, the prophet, is saying to Agag, as thy sword has made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. Okay. In other words, Agag, you went around and you just, you killed so many people. Okay, you killed children, you killed men, and, and so women that survived, you know, now they don't have any children because of the, 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 the heinous acts that you performed and just murdering people and everything. As thy sword has made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. All right? So he said, the same way you made other women mother uh, childless, your mother's going to be childless because you're going to die. You're going to die. Okay. And that's why God wanted him to destroy it. And, and I mean, you can go back and read read through the other the earlier parts of Samuel. You know, Agag was a monster. He was a monster, right? right. So, 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 uh, so, so uh, Samuel said that Samuel took the sword and hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Okay, so God, again, he changed his mind about, about, what, he was, uh, about what he was going to do. Right. So we see that there were several signs of hypocrisy in Saul's repentance. He besought Samuel only and seemed most anxious to stand right in his opinion and to gain Samuel's favor. Saul excuses his fault even when confessing it. That is not true repentance. You make excuses for what you've done. That's not really repentance. Right? Repentance truly is you to stop doing what you're doing and to turn the other way and go away, never to go in that direction again. And all this was, in his mind, was, was saving face with other people. He was so interested in saving face. God will choose someone and anoint them to carry out his plan. Then we have the choice of following God's direction to the letter or doing it the way that we think it should be done. That's our choice. That's our choice. All right? And the Word of God says that we are anointed. We're, we're, we're believers in Jesus, Jesus Christ. We're, we're Christian. We're, we're followers of Jesus Christ. So God, the Bible says that we are anointed. So with that anointing that you have, you make sure you do what God is telling you to do. And don't turn to the left or to the right. And don't do it the way you think it should be done. It's all about choices. It's all about choices. And then we see, looking at the comparison here, then we go to 1 Samuel 16, uh, verse 1. 
think verse one, and it says, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. You see, you see Samuel really, he, 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 he really hated the fact that Saul went that way, okay, because he cared for him, he cared about him. Okay? And he, he was lamenting over the fact that, 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 that he had lost, you know, um, the way he did, that he had disobeyed God and that God had, 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 had taken the kingdom uh, from him, all right? It really bothered Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn, okay, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. Go, I will send thee to Jesse. I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. All right, so I'll tell you who to anoint. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. Again, Samuel did, underline did, Samuel did, indicates obedience. Samuel did exactly what God wanted him to do. All right, he didn't hesitate. He didn't question God. He just went on and did it. That must be the case with us. We have to do the same thing. When God tells us to do something, go, don't go questioning it. Okay? If you're not sure how to take the first step, say, okay, Lord, I'll go. Where do I start? What do I do? If you want further direction, that's fine. But don't right away start questioning God, why are you sending me? Why are you sending me? God is saying that I've taken the kingdom from Saul and there's someone else that I want to anoint. So you go. Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, comest thou peaceably? And he said, peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sacrificed, uh, he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, verse seven, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, but not on his countenance or the height of his stature. For the Lord, um, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. Okay? We can tell how men look, but God can tell what they are. God judges men by the heart. That's why we need to be so careful. We need to be so careful that we're not... Aren't, aren't out and about just posturing and, you know, trying to look so holier than thou. And, and really deep in our hearts, we're doing all sorts of other things that are contrary to what God says we should be doing. Okay. God looks at the heart. God looks at, at your intentions. What are you thinking? Okay. What is it that you really want to do? He doesn't look at how wonderful you look, how well you dress, how you're living, what kind of lifestyle, how many houses, cars, and how clean you are and everything. He looks at your heart. looks at your heart. Okay. All right. So he says there, do not look on his countenance or his, the height of his stature, because I have refu- the, f- the first son, I have refused him. The Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Verse number eight says, then Jesse, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Neither has the Lord cho- chosen this one. Then Jesse called Abinadab. 
uh, and made him pass, and the Lord, neither has the Lord chosen him. This. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. The Lord has not chosen these. So each one of his sons, Jesse paraded before Samuel. And God basically told Samuel, no, not him, not him, not him. See, men, oftentimes we form a mistaken judgment of character. But the Lord values only the faith, fear and love which are planted in the heart beyond human discernment. Samuel was looking at the physicality of these individuals. God says, no, not them. They are not the one. We see here in verse number 11, and Samuel said, and Samuel said unto, uh, unto Jesse, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him for we will not sit down till he comes hither. You see, now, even there, Samuel was adamant. He was standing fast. God said to go and anoint the one that I'm going to show you. Jesse said, all these boys, all these sons before him, and no, 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 there must be another one. And he says, do that, send him, for we will not sit down to eat. In other words, we're not going to eat, we're not going to party, we're not going to sacrifice, we're not going to sit down anything until the job is done, until he sees this last lad. Verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Underline that, please. The the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Okay. Now, obviously, God saw something else there in him beyond his physical appearance. Because it says there that he sent him in verse 12, he was ruddy with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. The Lord said, arise, for this is he. So we know that based on the previous scriptures there that God was looking at his heart, not looking at his physical appearance. God was looking at his heart. Right? Simple as that. He knew, God knew that this was the person that he wanted to have. Samuel took the horn, verse 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Underline that, please. The spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So we see there that David was the youngest of the sons of Jesse, and he was the type of God's beloved son. He was a type of Jesus Christ, if you will. All right. It would seem David was least of the sons of Jesse, but the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. His anointing was not an empty ceremony. A divine power went out with that anointing. It wasn't just a ceremony. It wasn't just going through the motions. There was a divine power that went along with that anointing that David received. David found himself advanced in wisdom and in courage and with all the qualifications of a prince, although he was a so-called lowly shepherd, lowly shepherd boy, but he had the qualifications. God knew his qualifications. God knew his heart, even though by man's standard, he was just a lowly shepherd boy, one to be looked down upon, if you will, and disdained to an extent. All right. But God knew his heart. God knew. David found himself, therefore, at that anointing, advanced in wisdom and courage. This anointing satisfied him that his election was of God. At that anointing, David knew, yes, there's an anointing. This anointing is indeed from God. David may have thought to himself, I don't know what he thought, obviously, but he may have thought to himself, well, gee whiz, what, what next, Lord? But he felt the power that came with that anointing. 
The best evidence of our being predestined to the work of God is our being sealed with the Holy Spirit and a willingness to do God's work. If you've come to Jesus Christ, the word of God says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And your next step is, okay, Lord, what now? What is it that you would have me to do? Where's the road taking me, Lord, now that you've anointed me, now that you've lifted me up? Where is it that I go from here? Lord, I'm willing to do your work. If you go to verse number 14, 15, you see, but the spirit of the Lord um, departed from Saul. Oops. Something shifted here. Sorry about that. Okay. Oh, my pad here. My pad decided to go crazy on me here. Okay. Let me go back to 13. Then Samuel took the horn of the Lord, anointed him in the midst of his brethren. The spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. My electronic device went crazy here for a minute. Okay. Verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubles thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player of a, of a heart, harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Okay. Now, first of all, Matthew Henry's concise commentary says that the spirit of the Lord departed from him. Okay, if God if God and His grace do not rule us, sin and Satan will have possession of us. All right, so it's not like God sent an evil spirit. God just gave permission gave permission for that evil spirit to go and enter into Saul. Saul had disobeyed God. Saul had done some 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 horrible things, and that's what we have to remember too. If we sin before God, if we can continue and insist on doing and doing horrible things, then the door is open. God has to stand back and then just let evil have its way with us. Okay, so it's not like 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 God sent that evil spirit. God just simply gave permission to that evil spirit to do what it had to do because Saul was the one that opened the door. The devil, by God's permission, troubled and terrified Saul by the corrupt things that he was doing and the passions of his mind, the corrupt passions of his mind. He grew fretful, peevish, and, and discontented, and at times he was actually a madman. Okay? If you read 17 here and going, going to 23, it says that, um, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing. In other words, good at playing, is good at playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in manners, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. See that last qualification? And the Lord is with him. So there's a, they were talking about David, obviously, talking about David. Wherefore Saul sent messengers, uh, wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul said to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before thee, for he has found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So we see what effect music can have on the human spirit. We see what effect. 
Music, music, music is such a vital part of heaven and the throne of God. It has been part of the of the of worship and praise of God since the very beginning. Lucifer, who became Satan before he was cast out, Lucifer was created as a beautiful and wise archangel, an anointed cherub, and music was an integral part of his very being. If you go to Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel 28, and verse number 13, okay? You see there that it says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Tablets and pipes, those are musical instruments, all right? Workmanship of thy musical instruments was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. So we see that Lucifer was, if you will, he was like the headmaster of praise in the heavens there. He was the archangel of praise, if you will. Right? So music was one of the things that it, it's amazing how, how, how that has gotten perverted. Satan uses music today to pervert people's minds. He uses music to send out a message and to, 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 to get young people, not only young people, young people but old people also, to, to, to go away from God. You got to be very careful what kind of music we're listening to, because you never know what uh, what spirit, if you will, goes along with that music. Right? But David, though this anointed music that he was playing, it stilled Saul, it quieted him down. God had appointed David for a very special purpose, and David's life was to become a key part of Israel's story, all the way through to Jesus Christ Himself. And as we know, Israel had conflict with the Philistines for a long time. And there was about to be a showdown between Israel and the Philistines. And that goes on into the next chapter with David and Goliath. And as the Holy Spirit, so guys, maybe we'll go into that because there are some really poignant and, and some very important points about the whole interaction between David and Goliath and the whole series of events that took place there. There's a lot more than what, what is on the surface of David versus Goliath. A lot more, a lot more deeper things are there. And as Holy Spirit, so guys, we'll go on to cover that. But as for this message is concerned, the key point is, is that disobedience is critical for us as children of God. We have to do exactly what God tells us to do. Don't go making things up on our own and think, oh, we should do this. Oh, let me do this. Let me do this. This will please God. This will please God. What will please God is you doing exactly what he told you to do. No more and no less. And if you insist on that way of going on displeasing, uh, uh, displeasing God and, and not doing what he's telling you to do, you run the risk of him taking his hands off of you. Okay? God cannot and will not be around sin. It's as simple as that. So we have to make sure that we are indeed obedient to God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing. And if it was, please pass it on to others that you know. We can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net. Genesis1.sermon.net. 
And if you look in the upper corner there of the uh, page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button, and you'll be notified when these messages are available. Uh, we're on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries, and uh, we uh, still have our free apps for Android and uh, iPhone devices, and they can be found and downloaded free of charge from their respective uh, Play Stores. Everything on this website is free of charge. Uh, you can download the messages, either the video or the audio-only portion if you want to. You can download that, those for free of charge. The apps are free of charge. And the whole idea is that we simply want to, to expedite the spreading of God's world God's word round about this world, round about this world, okay? Right? That, that's God's will, that all should know him and all should come to know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So go to the website and download these things and, 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 and let the Lord minister to you as you pass on this information to others. Let Holy Spirit guide you. Amen. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God, and we pray that as we go through the balance of the day and the week ahead of us until next time, that we shall remember these words, O Lord God, that in our heart, O Lord, we shall always strive to be obedient to you, O Lord. We shall always push and strive to do all that you have called us to do. Nothing more, nothing less. We shall follow your will and follow your word. Our desire, O Lord God, is indeed to obey you. We praise you, Lord God. We magnify thy most glorious name. I pray that you all go forth and be blessed. And remember always that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord.